welcome to another episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. Today, I'm here once again with... Chris Bell. And we're going to be talking about stuff that we're doing here at the Wacomonic Branch Library, which should be uh, starting to be more exciting these days, I think. Well, we're definitely getting more into the swing of things. We are. Um, and the new swing of things. That's right. So I do see, though, that we are heading towards the back end of the pandemic, which is a good, good thing, or at least in my mind. <laughs> Hopefully. It'll yeah. be, I think there's still a bit of time to go, but we're getting there. I did my first shot. Can't wait for my second shot. Hopefully this will come out before that happens. I'm still on the list. Oh. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we have here in the library had one great new big thing happen after all the really horrible things that have happened with our internet. <laughs> I don't know what we've talked about previously about what's happened with our internet, but Chris, our internet has been horrible. Our internet has been non-existent and which, then horrible. Yep. Which considering we were going to do ShushCon online meant planning, actually doing any kind of ShushCon would have been impossible without internet. That is true. But a particularly laughable <laughs> organizing, setting up, learning all the technology for an online one. So this will hopefully come out before you show up to play games with us at ShushCon because we canceled our online event because no internet here. That's right. In the entire county, no internet. No internet. So much sadness uh, with all that. However, that hasn't stopped us from working on our projects. Right. Well, first, before we get to our projects. That's all right. We have finally gotten in the new shelves for our game. Yes, we have our board game shelves for checkout. After threatening and <laughs> and cajoling and causing problems in general, uh, I finally got the permission to order our shelves from Ikea, which I thought was a great triumph. What I didn't know is that since we don't live near an Ikea, it was a great headache. It was... But so. I managed to bribe them enough to bring the shelves in during my vacation. So that worked out. <laughs> oh. uh, the, I think three weeks delay before we got them. Mm -hmm. After I, the delivery date, which was two weeks. No. So it was three weeks after I ordered them was the delivery date. Yeah. And then they kept telling us, oh, it's going to be delivered today. Only to say, no, no, that's, that's not happening for a week. Three times. Three times. And then they showed up early on the day they were supposed <laughs> to get here. At the so, wrong place. So if I hadn't been shown up to work early because I felt nervous about this nonsense, then somebody here would have said, we don't know what you're talking about because that always happens and we wouldn't have shelves again. <sighs> and it's a good thing you bothered to call them in the first place because again, wrong building. They went to the wrong, they went to the school instead of the library. Oh, so, but we got them. They're here. And they are beautiful. They are. Our games no longer are stacked haphazardly on each other. Right. It looks more like a fancy store than, you know, a cousin's basement. We've already noticed, too, with these new shelves, so we've been able to present our games better. They're at a better height level, so they're not at your knees. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And uh, people are already coming and looking at them way more than before. Yes. And we've had some games that we've had that have only maybe <laughs> circulated once or twice in the past year that have already been checked out. Just because, mm -hmm. oh, look, that is a fancy Pente box or what have you. Yes. So, you know, having good shelves, it makes a difference. Though teachers and librarians out there should already all know this. But, uh, you know, just in case, 
It's pretty. Check the show notes for pictures and for links to pictures because we're awfully, well, we're inordinately proud of our shelving <laughs> and our display. And we're now working on fancy signs with the laser cutter. So hooray. Speaking, oh no, laser cutter we're talking about later. Uh, we, we did get to play some games and we're about to enter more into our database for cataloging to take care of. But let's go through this list of games. Three games I think we're going to talk about today. First, let's start out with a game that's not even out, but that people might want to uh, look at for future because the Tiny Epic series has been very, very good to us at the is library. Is the Kickstarter out yet? The Kickstarter is out and probably done or within a week of being done by the time this comes out. Gotcha. But that doesn't mean because I think they usually continue to do pre-order and other stuff like that. And they don't usually punish people for not being there on second one of pod of the release on that. Right. So tiny Epic dungeons is a game that it is a game uh, <laughs> from the, as part of the tiny Epic series. And in the tiny Epic dungeon, you are a group of adventurers who are going through thwarting goblins and trying to get to the big boss and beat up the big boss. And during this, moving around you are moving through cards right because you're playing cards as the dungeon Mm -hmm. and then you will encounter a big boss and each boss sort of has special powers or abilities that it's going to going to do and you have to do all this before you run out of light on your torch that's right and so it is kind of an exploration game think uh betrayal house in the hill style you start on a revealed card and then every space you move to reveals a new card that changes the mazes pathing basically right and you keep going until you run out of room which theoretically should happen when you find the boss and there are some you know places on the timing board that say oh all the goblins are going to do their thing or this is going to spawn more deal or or all those that that kind of stuff right there's a trap springs here there's loot here so your standard kind of dungeon crawler but it is fast. It is fun. I thought that the goblins were going to get super repetitive, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that that worked well. I, qu- I question a little bit of the balance on the spells with the, you know, n- even some of the utility spells like the barbarian might want one or the thief might want one and, and the ability to multi-class just isn't there. It's only going to be the real spell casters who can afford to cast the spells. So... I'm going to agree with that. Um, One of the issues I had with it, the spellcaster is great. They have lots of mana to cast spells and do special things, and that's kind of their shtick. But they're spells that are very obviously geared towards, like Donald said, the barbarian or something. That makes them stronger. But they don't have the resources to cast it unless they put everything into it. Right. And so some of the spells just feel like they don't have a place. Yeah, it's like, this is not worth it for the wizard to have because the wizard is going to go after these three things. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I don't know if they're going to adjust that. I've given the des- uh, designer, and actually I've given the publisher my feedback on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of the game is, I think it's pretty tight. Right. I and like it a lot. I'll point out that is nitpicking, and the game is to the point that you need to nitpick to find something wrong with it. It is very fun to play. Right. Now, if you have a problem with the whole... We're going into an evil lord's dungeon and slaughtering goblins. We can't help you there. That's that's kind of the way it plays, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so that's that's the thing. So tiny epic dungeons, well worth checking out, and particularly good for uh, you're looking for a relatively short form game or to show off a kind of game. 
Uh, it works real well as a introduce introduction to dungeon crawls or for, Hey, we, we want an after school game because yeah. it's like half an hour per game, maybe 45 minutes if people haven't played it before. And uh, I'll go ahead and throw this out here. Some of the tiny epics don't work great with certain numbers of players. We played this with two yeah. and it felt like it worked pretty fine. Didn't play it with four though. So who knows? Right. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it does have built in scaling for number of players. Some yeah. of their games don't necessarily have that. Yeah. Not so well. Oh, I will say that they probably hit most of their stretch goals. I know that uh, Michael Coe, the guy from Gamelin Games, he nickels and dimes out everything he can shove into the box. So he knows <laughs> that if we get this many backers, I can afford to print this much of a thing and I can fit this much into the box. So unlike some Kickstarter folks who don't know what they're doing, he knows at the end where if he gets full backing, what he can afford to do in the box Oh yeah, and and everything. So it's a it's a full package. Like I said, we've got uh, several of their games here in the library. Oh, and this one was sent to us as a review copy. So we do have to say that as if we should have said that up front. Yes, it's not a final copy. It was a yeah, it was a preview review copy. Preview so. review copy. All right, so that's it. Check it out. Uh, the next thing I think we should talk about is um, oh, let's talk about this Dexcape game here, uh, Dexcape oh, Heist in Venice. So it is one of the Dickscape games, and that basically means you have a stack of cards that are in numerical order with colors on the top. And so generally, whenever you encounter a new color, you're going to separate into another deck. Mm -hmm. uh, so you run kind of multiple uh, plot lines simultaneously. Potentially. Uh, the one problem we've had with it is that unlike the unlock ones, where you really only need one or two cards up top and the rest can all be randomized... This one has to go back in order, and they never come back in order. Yes, as we check our games out, they at best, they come back backwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's, again, at best. <laughs> right. So there was one. I got all three of them back at once, and one of them literally had all the cards in reverse order mm -hmm. and upside down. Or, you know, so it was like, oh, come yeah. on, really? Uh, so close, and yet so far. And the other one had basically been thrown on the floor, walked on, and then shut back in the box. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's that's how that works. So, by and large, though, the Deckscape games are quite a bit of fun. So, I'll go ahead and put my opinion. Uh, some of the Deckscapes, I will say, overall, I tend to get annoyed with them. Um, I like most of their puzzles, but then they always throw in those puzzles that I feel just don't belong. Or the the logic leap to the solution is great enough that it just bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there was maybe one puzzle where I was like, oh, I get it, but eh. But other than that, even when we got them wrong and we found the answer, it was like, oh, we're just dumb. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, the, I will find that in most escape rooms that have a whole bunch of pieces that there's generally a thing where I go, oh, no, the, the, the designer was obviously not thinking this through. Or obviously they designed it in a different language, so it made more sense. Whatever it was, mm -hmm. in this case, I think uh, there was one puzzle in, in it where I go, I dislike you now intensely. <laughs> not not Chris, not the person I was doing the, the box with, but the designer. So mm -hmm. if it's only one, then they're ahead of the game. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, overall, it was a lot of fun. I loved the puzzles. Even the ones we got wrong, I thought they were really clever and neat. So Heist in Venice is a take on the heist-style escape room where you are trying to break into a casino. Using the most outlandish methods possible. Right. It, it made, okay. It made internal sense for 
the world. Everybody had a special power. And so there was a part where you would come to a thing in the game and you'd be able to utilize your special ability. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was interesting. There was some really cool stuff that was going on. It was very uh, Ocean's Eleven plot line. It you was. Know? Yep. You're not looking for realism. You're looking for a neat little movie plot. Yes. And so enjoy it. Get it. And also, these are cheap enough that... You know, you and a group of your friends, even if there are more of you than who you want to play it with, so like you and 10 of your friends, could buy a stack of all the deckscapes. Each of you take one home for the weekend, pass it off the next weekend, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And you will have gotten your money's worth because they're affordable, the cards are durable enough for what you're doing, and I think it really works. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun. Highly recommend it. So, as, as I mentioned, there was another game we were going to talk about. And that one was Detective. Uh, was it Gaze of the Ghost? Yes. I think it was Detective of the Gaze of the Ghost. And in that, you were working to solve the crime of something happened because an alarm went off. And so you were told to go there and find out what went on. And there is a fancy painting of Macbeth. Uh, sorry, you theater majors out there. And <laughs> you are trying to figure out, is this place haunted? What happened? And so forth. And it had a unique setup where you were taking cards and you put them around the box and wedged them into the, you set the box lid, the box bottom and the box lid. And then you take the cards and you would set them up around the edge of the box. So they were in there and it, it was kind of neat because it was like, you've got to pay attention to what's going on because it had clues. It made a 3D representation of the inside and the outside of the building and they mattered and they changed as the story went through, as events happened. You would swap out the cards. They didn't magically just change, but yes. No. Yes, but I mean, you would swap them out, and it would now, something has changed, or, oh, that super important thing that you kind of glanced at, but you didn't really think about it, oh, no. Maybe it mattered. Maybe it didn't, but maybe it mattered. Something changed. Oh, what was it before? I wasn't looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so it was very neat. I loved that element of it. Right. And uh, it was also kind of a neat mechanic in that it's got a timing mechanic where you're basically, as you're playing cards out, you have a number, the cards have a power to them, basically. Right, I think right, that's right. the best word for it. If you haven't intentionally discarded enough clues uh, without revealing them uh, to get to a certain power level, you're not allowed to use the higher power clues, basically. Right. And so you kind of have to pick and choose on your own. Oh, what do I have in my hand that is unimportant? We did actually pretty good about mostly discarding clues that were not super important. I yeah. think there was maybe one card that went into the discard pile. And if there was, it was probably mine. Um, yeah, I think we had one or two things where it's what you get to see your own clues, but no one else gets to see your clues. Mm-hmm. And you can't talk about the clues unless you revealed them. So there was a few things where it was like, I didn't understand Donald's logic on something or he didn't understand mine because we'd, we'd lost the wrong clues. Mm-hmm. And so we couldn't make that final connection for the pieces of evidence. Well, oh, okay. Well you say that, but we got to the final evidence. We had the right answer and we changed it. We did again. And that's because we were both like, Oh, there was that one piece that would have just cemented it yeah 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 um and so it was fun it felt like what you were doing so a lot of games if you're playing a lot of cooperative games they have this oh you can't talk about either what you have in your hand 
or what you're doing. And in most games, I kind of hate it. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're playing like Shadows Over Camelot, you can't say, I've got all sixes, but you can say, I've got a bunch of really strong cards or really, really strong cards. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and the way that you're hedging your bet on your discussion, discussing things, then it's that. This, it seemed to work because you had the ability to go, oh, I think this is important and I'm going to play this card mm-hmm. or I don't think this is de- important, so I'm going to discard it so that we can get better cards later. And it all worked really, really well together. Yes. So um, I would almost like to see it I have tried it with more people because I think it would have been harder for us to connect some of the dots with our own cards if we had even less of them. That's true. Um, In general, I think most escape room card games or escape room box games are best with two or three people, though. I'd say this is a strong three one, though. Right. Well, we had it with two, and it was (laughs) bloody... Well, I shouldn't say it. It was very nice. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I guess it was kind of bloody because there was a murdered Macbeth ghost picture or something. (laughs) Um, But I can't wait to see what they're going to do with more of this kind of thing. Yeah. So really liked it. Um, All these are green lights. And also the detective one was a donated thing. Uh, The Deckscape heist in Venice uh, was a, uh, was one we purchased for the library, but the detective uh, is, uh, was a review copy. Yep. That, that I sent off to Eric. So. And so we have talked about deckscapes. I don't think we've ever talked about a detective. Right. Well, it is a series. This is one of, the, I think it was the newest. Yeah, it's it's one of the newer the ones. One. Uh, there's at least two. May it, when I got it, it may have been the only one. Okay, currently there's at least two. I know that. But it's part of the, it's really part of the same series, only mm-hmm. instead of escaping, you're trying to solve for something. So right. love it. All right, let's talk about games by a different company than... Whatever company this was that I can't pronounce. It's Divig Yucky. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. So let's talk about Colony. We played that one a few times. and uh, We did. We really tried to get a feel for it. Right. And so in Colony, it's sort of a post-apocalyptic-ish game mm-hmm. where you are uh, going to be setting up a tableau of cards in front of you at the beginning. You'll be rolling dice, using those dice to acquire other cards, which will give you powers to either get more dice or change dice or get temporary dice or all of these things. Uh, at the beginning of your turn, you grab three dice, you roll them, you get one die, the other person gets one die if you're playing two players, and then you get the third die. If you're playing with more players, I think that changes a little bit. Yes. But there were just two of us, so that's what you're going to hear about. <laughs> and... Both games we played were very tight. Like, mm-hmm. you were going to win if I didn't. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the first, but I know on the second, it came down to the final roll. It, it, it very much was a, unless you end it here, I'm going to. Yep. And so it is neat in that you have these cards out in front of you, and the cards are going to change in game, every game, sort of like in a deck building game where you pick what your cards are going to go into the game that time. But in this case, you're not building a, a hand or a deck. You're instead putting them out in front of you. It's you're kind of building an engine to mm-hmm. work with your dice. Definitely an engine game. And the, uh, you get points. The whole point is that you're getting points on the bottom of the cards. And some of the things give you extra points for specific cards. Or you can upgrade your cards, which will make them worth more points. Uh, so forth and so on. Uh, 
and by and large, I found that the art was incredibly drab. <laughs> um, the mechanisms were more interesting, I think, than the presentation of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I liked it. Colony was a neat game. And, and, oh, this also, review copy. Yes, and something to point out about the way the game works. Um, you get, I think it was either like six or eight sets of cards in front of you to build your engine, like the the, the community pool that everyone buys from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's probably 30 cards in there, and they do different types of things. So depending on how you mix that up, very different games, which is something we tried out. Um, right. So... And the way the way they recommend it is like they have this grouping of cards, select one of these. You have this other group, select one of those, and so forth. But if you want to be weird, you can just pick five random cards and throw them in there from the whole whole set. Absolutely, I do not recommend that. But I'm sure Chris would. <laughs> so chaos theory. <laughs> anyway, that was Colony from Bezier Games. A review copy. I like it enough that I would be thrilled to play it again. I don't know if it's going to stay in my collection since it was given to me way back when um before the pandemic well try it with more people before you make your decision yeah I'd, like i said i'm happy to play it and i'll probably mm-hmm. take it to play with mark or some of our other friends or when we open up for games here it's the kind of game i think that some of the folks who come to game night here at the library would enjoy absolutely all right so another review copy that we got uh well that i got a long time ago haven't talked about on this show though is Scorpius Freighter from AEG. It is a rondel game, by which I mean you're, there are three big old rondels on the board. What a rondel is, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is basically it's an action path where you can choose sort of how many steps forward you're going on that by spending your resources to do so. And then you can't take those actions again, that kind of action, until you get back around or until that your piece, which is measuring where you are gets back around to that action again or another one of those similar actions on the round. Um, and that means that if Chris and I were using the same three rondelles with different kinds of actions, so for example, this one over here, it might have administrative action. This one over here might have upgrading my ship actions. This one over here is going to make it easier for me to upgrade my crew or recruit new crew. Mm-hmm. They were very, each of the three circles was themed around a different element of the game. Right. And... So in case you can't tell, Scorpius Freighter is about uh, basically moving cargo, fulfilling contracts, uh, and to do that, you're going to upgrade your crew, upgrade your ship, mm-hmm. um, and talk to people and and get goods. So that's essentially the game. Chris, what do you have to say about Scorpius Freighter? Um, that's the. It's really the kind of game I like. Um, it has the character interaction where everyone has this pool that they're working with you're not necessarily actively aggressive to each other but you've definitely got a plan off of what everyone else is doing right right uh maybe you take an action so someone else can't take it or maybe you have to think you know what do they really want to do and what can i get away with not doing and force them to do it so chris is saying that because he (laughs) did that to me repeatedly he's like well donald's gonna absolutely need to get cargo (laughs) so I'm going to make it so that he can't get cargo, or if he does, it will cost him far more than far more than he wants by having to give up one of his dudes, and then he won't be able to get all the cargo. Like he I wants. said, I love these kind of games, and so I had a little bit of trouble sort of working my mind around some of the mechanisms at first, partly hmm. because 
we had been burning wood in here forever. Um, <laughs> Weeks, at and, least. And also, um, it wasn't particularly intuitive. Now, I got to say, the presentation of Scorpius Freighter is amazing. The boards that oh, you yeah. have, uh, they have the little upgrade chips that you put in there are still a good size, but it's a slotted board where you set it down inside the well. So if some joker accidentally hits the table, your pieces aren't going to go as flying everywhere as they otherwise would. Yes. The art is pretty darn good. There's a lot of iconography, but you can eventually, in in relatively short order, work your head around it. Um, Um, A a plus on presentation, I think. And and the iconography is, um, I guess, well set up enough that even if you don't recognize exactly what it is, you can always tell what it's talking about. Usually, yeah. I mean, it's it's or at least most of them are different enough. There was one or two where I was like, oh, that I thought I was doing this thing, but it's yeah. Not. Uh, but most of it is uh, unique enough, or that it that it all feels it mm-hmm. all feels right. So, um, the only problem we had this game uses a very interesting we'll call it action economy yeah yeah that's true um you have four crew members yes it costs you a crew member to move the ship around the rundels to take your actions right whatever's left over however many crew you have that haven't taken an action is how many points you get to spend on that action. And that depends. Maybe it lets you buy more expensive stuff. Maybe it lets you do more of your ship's powers. Maybe it lets you sell more cargo or yeah, whatever get, the action is. Get more is. cargo, sell more cargo, fill up more, yeah, et cetera. Right. The way they have it set up, it was mildly confusing about how many actions you had when you had to spend them in how spending them actually worked. Right. And, and I don't think that it's a problem with necessarily the game. And, and it may or may not have been a problem with the presentation because we weren't both reading the rule book because as is the case, we were doing other work while we were playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just be careful with that. And that's the one thing you need to learn before you go play Scorpius Freighter, which is what does it mean? Am I using a crewman up or are my crewmen just counting towards a effect? Yeah. Two completely different things. So... I liked it. Um, Different I, enough that it threw us off, but I think it worked. Yes, absolutely. And we've got a couple others on deck that we can't wait to play. Uh, we still haven't played the Scooby-Doo game, Scooby-Doo Escape game. Mm-hmm. We haven't played the Escape Room in a Box Walking Dead yet because those all feel like they need more people. Yes, and then I think we have a couple more games in that bin that these games came from, Colony uh, and Scorpius, that we still need to play. Yes, yes. And so hopefully, hooray. So... All right, we're going to take a quick breather and then we'll come back and talk to you about what else we've been doing here at the library. All right. So we mentioned laser cutting and you've probably heard us talk about it in previous episodes if you've been paying attention. <laughs> uh, we have had a huge project go out, which is only moderately game related. But we can we can make it work. So, <laughs> so Chris, what have we been doing? Um, we've been making fairy doors. Right. So we, we call them fairy and gnome doors because we don't want it to chase anyone off. That's true. And honestly, I think gnomes would be awfully happy with these doors. But when you say fairy <laughs> doors, what do you mean? So they're tiny doors um, 
that we laser cut out. Uh, they don't actually function. They're more for visuals. Mm. And little trinkets, charms, and accessories mm-hmm. um, that people glue to books, little tiny walls, uh, really wherever you want, um, and then decorate and paint them up and glitterize them to look fancy. So Chris is making this all sound very appealing. <laughs> and, and it is, really. It's super appealing. We, we were very excited about when we started it, and we were still reasonably excited when it was done. But we, as a library, because we did this in conjunction with our children's services folks, yes. made 460 kits. Yeah. And the kits included the stuff that we laser cut it out at about 15 minutes per kit, plus paint, five different kinds of paint, Little glue sticks or little glitter glue things, buttons, colorful stones. I don't know what else went in them because I never looked in one of the bags. <laughs> but they made a little brown paper bag for each one of those labeled with each library. And something that Chris didn't mention before, each library had a different door. And trinkets. And mostly mostly well, different trinkets, yes. A different board plate. So uh, the way we actually did it, we took, I think it was like about a 10 inch by 10 inch wooden board. 12 by 12, probably 12 by a, yeah, something, something around like there. Um, and on that, we laser cut out different things, which was the door. If there was a raised portion on the door, you glued on top. We cut that out. Um, and little trinkets such as uh, grass, lanterns, um, a fairy bear. Hey, a hey, don't you miss the fairy bear. The fairy bear is the best bear. Uh, so uh, little windows. So little things like that. Um, each each board had a specialized key for their board. Yes. It had a door uniquely made for them. It had post boxes, which were the same on all the doors. It had windows, which were unique for each of them. And then it had, we'll call it an arch, which was the thing you glued on the door. Might have just been a door frame. And then they had an assortment of other little trinkets, but they also had one thing that we called a charm for each one of our other branches because the whole goal of this was to show that, yes, we are all different libraries in the same system, but we're all sort of part of the same community. Yeah. And so we launched it the Monday that we're recording this. One library launched a little earlier, but we won't talk about about them. Um, (laughs) And what happened? Oh, yeah. They're going out the door like hotcakes. They are. I think we had... We had 200 here. We put 90 out the door on the second day, like By first second and second day, day combined. Yeah. Um, I have no idea where we're at today. Yep. But they will be gone by the end of the week, probably. So there is a blog post about this on the uh, game on the Games and Schools and Libraries blog. Yeah. Link in the show notes that talks about all of it and shows the process. Now, this was kind of weird because Chris is a... Uh, Adobe Illustrator genius. He knows how to run that program forward and backwards. We don't have a license. He has his own license, so he got to work on it on that. That's correct. And I'm like, well, we're going to teach kids how to use Inkscape anyway. I will use this as an opportunity to not suck at Inkscape because I could dabble with it. I knew, Mm -hmm. oh, look, here's how you make lines. Uh, Here's what some of the tools do, but it hadn't all sunk in as to how that is a useful thing, right? Yeah. And you don't understand vector files or how they work, which is what we did all of this in so that we could use on the Glowforge. 
you don't understand those until you have played with them. You don't know that a path is not necessarily one continual line. Mm-hmm. It can be multiple, what looks like multiple elements to you. The computer thinks that they're all one unit, whatever it is. And so at the beginning of it, and this last summer when we did our mobile and last fall when we did the houses thing, Chris had to do all of the computer design work on that. It's like some of it I'd say, oh no, we have to do this or that. But by and large, he did all of that. Mm-hmm. I got to help. <laughs> and so that was a lot of fun. By the end of it, um, I knew what I was cursing about or what I was unhappy with when using the program. And at the beginning, I just knew I was unhappy. <laughs> yes. Um, and one of the challenges of this, uh, whether we were using Inkscape or Illustrator, when you were designing for laser cutting, uh, well, okay, let me take that back. When you're designing in these programs, it doesn't necessarily matter by the time you're done exactly how messy it is. Uh, if you clean it up to look nice, generally you're fine. Um, as long as you're not handing it off to somebody else to work on, mm-hmm. you know, final product looks good, then your product is good. Um, but we had a weird mandate with this because uh, after Christmas, we decided that we wanted to be able to make our files available for other people. And so Chris mm-hmm. did have to clean those up at the end. Right. And because we are working on a Glowforge, there was a significantly strict set of rules we had to follow with how we made the files. It didn't matter how they looked. It also mattered very specifically how they were built. And so there was a lot of cleaning that had to be done basically from the beginning um, to make them work right. So it was a whole extra set of constraints you really have to think about when you're working with this program as a tool to another tool. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so it was neat. I Mm -hmm. I had a great time doing this project. Please check out the pictures and see everything that we did. Uh, Right now, as this time, the files are not available to people. Uh, We're trying to decide how we can give them to folks. If you have a Glowforge and you are a teacher or a librarian, do not hesitate to call us or no, don't call us. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> he, he, do not hesitate to email us or contact us somehow. Uh, and you want the files. We'll, we'll do what we can to get them to you. Oh, one other thing that each one of the signs had or each one of the placards had was a sign with the name of the library that it came from. Yes. And that was super cool, I thought. I, I would say that uh, we learned a lot. Also, if you go onto the Glowforge user group and you show them something cool, you get a thousand people coming out of their corner saying, oh, I want the files for that. I'm like, I was just showing you something we did. Don't just beg for files, please. <laughs> uh, and in the announcement, I said, we may eventually be giving these away. Not Yes, in the past, we've released our files on Creative Commons guidelines. We, we actually never, never posted them because I went to try and release it, and it said you can only do it if you own all the rights. And I didn't own the rights to the library. So I have to figure out how to get that posted. Maybe we'll put them on the library website or something. Hmm. But it'll happen. Yes. Well, okay. We try to release them for the public. We have tried to release them for the public under Creative Commons license. Yeah. I I drop information bombs on Chris when he's not expecting it. You should see what's on his thing. I really thought we'd release those. I didn't know that never happened. uh, I went to go do it, and it said, only do this if you own all the rights. And I'm like, I technically don't own any of the rights because it belongs to my place of work, even though Dwight said we could share them. I think that's kind of counts. Yes, but it was on my personal account, not on a work account. So we'll see. Anyway. Donald's being very picky right now. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, I do enough other things to get in trouble. Look, they don't actually care. It's just so somebody else can't yell at them. Oh, well. 
I understand how that goes. <laughs> as long as it's somebody else's fault, nobody cares. <laughs> so uh, we are completely off topic, but I will say that the way that these sort of relate to gaming is there's several ways. We've done terrain creation workshops here in the library, and these are, in a very childlike or whimsical way, excellent little uh, sets of terrain for you could use them for miniatures games, you could use them for role-playing games, you could use them for whatever you want. Ooh, next year's Pharaoh's Challenge. We're going to give them sets of the fairy doors and make them use them in their games. So speaking of off-topic topics I don't want to talk about yet. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, oh, yeah, oh, we'll be doing October. We're going to be doing a, a, a Shashkan. By golly, if we have to. Oh, my gosh. We got plenty of time. Anyway, so the point is, is that you could use these for a wide variety of games and activities. Mm -hmm. We may even cut ourselves a large set of them so that we have them. We've got to do that. That's going to be amazing. We've talked about doing that, yeah. Um, And, okay, off topic. Never mind, we're not going to deal with that. Um, So, but go check out that. We're super proud of what's been accomplished. Uh, It started off with Amy coming in to say, well, how about this? And then I flipped open my sketchbook to where I'd already been sketching out fairy doors and showed her the files I'd already downloaded from Glowforge. And we're like, yes, okay, we were both thinking about this. Obviously, it has to happen. And then we turned on Chris, and he got this panicked look in his face like, what now? <laughs> uh, and it got completely out of control. And two and a half months later, we finally finished cutting. Oh, so much smoke. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. By the way, if we had a better laser... We could have gotten all this cut in like one third the time. That is true. Um, on the plus side, we have a lot more experience with cleaning out a Glowforge. <sighs> yes, <laughs> chemicals, so many chemicals. All right, well, I think this is an excellent time to wrap up this episode. We've gone for, well, I have no idea how long we've gone since I've had to split this up into two parts due to my clumsy fingers. Um, so anyway, I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Chris Bell. And you've been listening to the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about us and our other shows on the Inverse Genius Media Network over at inversegenius.com. Thank you for listening. Also, this is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System, though they claim no fault or responsibility for any of our bad opinions. <laughs> <laughs>